I'm going to try not to, but I have. <clears throat> I, I, I wanted to do this the first of the year. Lots of different reasons. The main one uh, is I wanted to take I wanted to take time to really explain communion. Um, <clears throat> we've done it several different ways at our church, from deeper life to transitioning to pure grace, and the, the way that we do it's been different. And I, there's none of them I don't think have been wrong necessarily, but. Um, any anytime we do anything around here, I really it's I think it's just the way that God made me. I question everything, and I want to know why we do it, and try to figure out the more details of, of what communion is and why we take communion. And, <clears throat> and so this is this is no different. And so what I wanted to do, kind of setting us off on the right foot going into the new year, is to talk about communion before we take it, and then actually discover why we do it. And and maybe many of you that that have been a little afraid. I don't know. Uh, I had to learn within the last probably five years what open communion and closed communion and the way that a lot of different streams and different uh, denominations, how they do communion. Some do, some don't, some do it in different ways. And so I've done a lot of research and discussing and trying to figure out exactly what I, I feel like this is. And I think it's a really good thing, and it's something that we need to take our time with. I, don't, I didn't want to rush through, so that's kind of why we're doing it the way that we're doing it. Also, I really like having the tables in here. Y'all cool with that? Is it pretty cool? I like having the tables. It just feels a little more like uh, <laughs> Ramona. Ramona, the first time we did this, we did this the first time. Ramona came in in an absolute panic, like, I don't know what to do here. Where's my seat? My seat should be there. So uh, thank you, Ramona, for being patient with me <laughs> and, uh, in doing this. So love you guys. I think it's going to be good. This is a celebration, right? Yes. This is good news. We're, this is not something, although we are in awe of God's presence and we love the Lord and and. Um, but this is a celebration of being in his family. He has, he has made it so that we can have communion with the Father, and that's a huge thing. It's reconciliation with the Father, and it's a new covenant that we get to be a part of. So um, treat it that way. As we go through Scripture and we, we discuss this, remember what we're doing. This is a celebration of new life. This is a celebration of a new covenant that you are a part of. If you're a believer, you are a part of a new family, and that family comes with lots of great benefits, and we'll talk about some of those. All right. Huh? No, this is good. Y'all comfortable with the lights? Y'all want brighter lights? I'm good. I don't care. <laughs> it's comfy. I didn't bring any candles. We almost we were going to bring candles, but I was scared we'd catch the place on fire. I'm already stressed about spilling grape juice everywhere, but I don't care. That's just life, right? If you, if you haven't been to our house, we, we spill stuff all the time. It's just what it is. You got kids, you got family, you're going to spill stuff. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Says Bill with 28 kids. All right. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so yeah, let's, I, I want to, I hate to even say this because it sounds bad, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the blood. Here's why. I, we talk about it almost all year, <laughs> and it's really good news. I'm just limited on time. I really want to focus on the body, but I can't, I can't do this without talking about the blood. I just can't. So I'm going to throw some scriptures at you about the blood, and we're going to talk about it, but we're going to spend most of the time talking about the body. So bear with me. I just want to give you a little uh, heads up on that. There are four scriptures. There's many, many more, but these are four that I, that I just wanted to throw out there to kind of describe uh, what the blood and what we'll use grape juice to kind of demonstrate and, and use as an outward expression of, of something internal. Uh, Luke 22:20 20 says, The same way after the supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Matthew 26, 28 says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Romans 5, 9 says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 
Listen, Jesus was the spotless lamb that took away the sins of the world. There's, this is no small thing, so I'm, I'm not trying to breeze over it. This is huge. Jesus came and he spilled his blood to take away the sins for all of us so that we could have communion with the Father. This is, this is huge. Um, all those scriptures and many more will talk about that. And this is when we, when we take communion later on in the service, this is what the, the, the grape juice, we didn't bring any wine, but this is what the grape juice represents. Um, it represents the blood of Christ. Now, before we get any further into that, uh, there's nothing special about the grape juice. It's Welch's. <laughs> we got it from Costco. Uh, we put it in pitchers and we've got cups for you guys. But the grape juice in and of itself does not carry any supernatural power. Just grape juice, okay? I say that because there's a lot of different uh, ways people take communion, a lot of di- different things that people say. If, if you want to drink grape juice, you can drink grape juice. There's something, uh, there is something supernatural if you recognize the significance of it. Does that make sense? So there's a bit of a, a <laughs> it can sound like it's uh, opposing, but it's not. What, what's happening is there are lots of things that we talk about that happen in the spirit that are parallel in the flesh that we live in now, and this is one of those things. Same t- the same way baptism, when we baptize, is just an outward expression of something that's happened on the inside. This is why we do this. So I just want to put that out there too. All right, the body of Christ. This is where I want to hang out. Um, John six twenty five, and we're going to go all the way through to 40, it looks like. <clears throat> and so if you want to turn with me, if you have your Bible, John six twenty five. It says, uh, do we have it up there? Yes, cool. It has, uh, when, when, <clears throat> verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. And they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And stop there. Is that not a common question? What do I need to do? Um, I get this a lot, especially uh, really preaching freedom and grace. Well, yeah, but what do I need to do? <laughs> what, give me a list. Give me a one, two, three. Give me steps. And this is what they're saying. What must we do? And it's a very honest, genuine question. Jesus answers as clear as day. The work of, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So before we get any further, that's it. That's your job. Your job is to believe on the one he sent. The forgiveness of sins, the redemption uh, of relationship to the Father, uh, new life, abundant life now that goes on into eternity is all wrapped up in believing in, in what he did for us. That is what you have to do to inherit eternal life. That's the key to everything. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? He was like, I just told you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, he's, he's going all the way back to, to the, the old covenant and the manna that fell uh, every day, and then it, they would have to get it every morning or it would go bad. Now, there's a whole different sermon in that, and I don't want to, oh, that's really good, but I'm not going to go into that. Verse 32, it says, Jesus said to them, very, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Please, <laughs> we want that bread. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whew. 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now stop. Does a person who has reached salvation still get hungry and still thirst? Yeah, I mean, physically we still eat and drink, right? Now, I didn't really want to go here, but I'm going to go here. There's a, there's a common trend of, of, I guess in some of the streams that I kind of come from, of being hungry for the Lord and being um, just very passionate with zeal and just hungry and hungry and hungry for more of the Lord. Um, to me, this kind of flies up in the face of that. That doesn't mean that we don't desire to know the Lord more. But I think there's an unhealthy way that we can try to pursue something that we already have. And here's, here's what I mean. It says right here, listen, if you have the bread of life, you'll never go hungry and you'll never thirst. He's obviously not talking about food because I get hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry right now. Okay? So that's obviously that's not what he's talking about, right? And all, almost all the time Jesus is talking about the kingdom, right? He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about spiritual things. Listen, I am the bread of life is what he's saying. Me, Jesus, not me, Justin. He's saying him, Jesus. <laughs> He is the bread of life. He's saying, listen, come to me. I'm the bread of life. If you, if you partake in me, in my life, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst, right? You're satisfied. Now, what's the first thing we think of? Well, if I'm not hungry and passionate for the Lord, then I'll grow complacent or apathetic, right? It's a pretty common thing. Well, I don't want to be, compl- I don't want to be, no. But there's, there is a strength in being content, not complacent, but content. This is why Paul said, oh, this is why Paul said, uh, I found the secret. He's like, hey, guys, <laughs> I found the secret to contentment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from the inside. Now, I know we like to put that on our athletic gear so that we can win the basketball game or whatever it is. But what that means is Paul had his feet in human waste in a prison. And he was saying, I found the secret to being full, to not hunger and thirst anymore, is that I have Christ with me no matter where I am. No matter what my circumstances look like, I can do anything because I have Christ with me. Does that make sense? This is, this is the difference in trying to be outwardly constrained by religion or rules and regulations and being inwardly transformed by a Christ that lives inside you in your heart. Do you see the, do you see the difference? You, you cannot do all things through religion who tries to fix you. <laughs> you can't. Many of you have tried. I've tried. And, and with good intentions and desire to try to do the best that we can, and then we fall and our whole house of cards falls apart. The thing is, without Christ, all we have is a, a, a someone else trying to express a lifestyle that they think that we should have. That's all we have. Even if it's our own misunderstanding of that, or even a really good understanding of it. Without Christ, we are nothing. Nothing. And what Paul was saying is, listen, I have found the secret to contentment, not complacency, not apathy. Look at Paul. He was not either of those things. He found the secret to life and, and not, not being driven by his outward circumstances, but by the inward relationship with Christ every day, all the time. This is why he, Jesus constantly uses examples like seeds and different things that they can understand. And we'll go a little bit deeper into that. But even bread and, and, and wine or grape juice is an expression of something that we take inside of ourselves. What happens when you eat? That food gets broken down in, in much more complicated ways than I can explain, and it turns into energy, and it gives us life, right? We have to eat and drink so that we live. He's given us a parallel here so we can see it. I'm the bread of life. You don't live on bread alone, but on me. I am that, and I am the one that gives you real life and fullness of life. And what does life come with? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
That's amazing. That's the new covenant that we're in, and that's what we're celebrating today. Whew, all right. Verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you have not believed. All those the Father <coughs> gives to me will, will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Listen, all those who come to me I will never drive away. If you've ever been, been intimidated to come to church, there's a few visitors here, if you've ever been intimidated, you will never be driven away here. <laughs> Listen, Christ is not going to drive you away. For I have come, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Hang on, I went through that a little bit too quick. Jesus came down from heaven to hang out with us. That's huge. Jesus didn't just tell us from a or God didn't tell us from a distance. He sent his own son. He sent himself in the flesh so that he could experience what we experience and see what we see and relate to us in a way that only another human being could relate to us. And he demonstrated that God and man could be together again. He said, I came down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me, which is his father. And this is the will of, of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Listen, everyone that comes to him will have eternal life. This knocks down all the cultural barriers. This knocks down all any prejudices that we may have. It's all. This isn't just the Jews. This includes all Gentiles, which is everybody. <laughs> everybody. This includes everybody. First Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. This is a common verse that uh, I want to kind of get past. This is one of those things I always have to say for communion to make sure that people understand. Because this is something that I used to be afraid of because I didn't grow up in church, but most of my family um, were Catholic. And so some of the things that they would, would tell me were very scary. <laughs> I didn't really fully understand them, but they would, they would throw a lot of stuff out there. And, and all of it was to try to make me act right, probably. But there was one thing, and I learned even later on about communion, that there are some... Some people that don't practice what's called open communion, there's closed communion. Are any of y'all familiar with that? Where not everyone can take communion. Well, we practice open communion here, and there's a reason. Uh, and, and this is something that really strikes fear in a lot of people that, that has been mistaught many times that I've heard uh, through people and through pastors some. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the verse that's really taken out of context, and then we're going to go back and read it in context. So it's 1 Corinthians 11:27 through 30. It says, Verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink, of, drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep or died is what he's saying. Many of you are dead. Now, if you just read that, that's kind of scary, right? What does that sound like? Get your, get your life straight before you come up here, or you're going to be in trouble. That's the way it was taught to me. Yeah, exactly. And none of us should be in here taking it, I can promise you. But here's the thing. There was this idea that don't come up here unless you have confessed all of your sins or you're going to be in trouble, right? And, I could, and you could see that if taken out of context, just reading this, how you could maybe come to that conclusion. So let's stop and, and, and look at the main. We're going to break this down piece by piece. The main thing he says is taking in in what? An unworthy manner, right? In an unworthy manner. Let's hang out there. 
What is an unworthy manner? Now, we can do one of two things. We can make it up ourselves, which is what a lot of people have done. We can make it up ourselves, or we can look back at what he just said right before it. I think that's a better plan. What do you think? All right, back up. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. This is going to give us some context of what he's talking about in an unworthy manner. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. <laughs> for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Stop right there. We know what he just talked about, take communion in an unworthy manner. What's an unworthy manner? There's one example right there. There are divisions among you. You guys are divided. You guys are fighting and quarreling. That's, uh, that's an unworthy manner. You, you, the church shouldn't be doing that. <clears throat> that's number one unworthy manner. And to some extent, I believe it. Verse 19, no, da- no doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. So saying right there, listen, you guys are just eating. You're not taking the Lord's Supper. You're just eating. It's another unworthy manner. You're just coming in here so that you can get full and get drunk. Verse 21, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Verse 22, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? There's number three. What's an unworthy manner? You're humiliating the ones that are actually hungry and you're eating their food and making them making it known that they don't have anything and they're struggling. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Now stop there. I never caught this before, but this is how we always talk about R&D. Paul's, Paul had R&D. He's just saying, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. He knew it too. I never saw that before. I thought it was cool. Side note. All right. The Lord, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread Listen, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. So he's taking communion with his betrayer. Who's worthy there to take it? Certainly not Judas. There's a whole story, I think Paul White taught on it, about how Judas hung himself and how it describes his gut spilling out. And he talked about he had the very thing he needed inside of him, and that was a demonstration. He he would have still had the communion bread and, and, and wine in him. Anyway, that's a different story. So he's saying, listen... Even though he knew he was going to be betrayed, he still took communion with him. This is another expression, the same way Paul was talking about, I found contentment. Jesus found contentment in that too. He's not looking for what's going on around him. He's about to be betrayed by one of his friends, and he's about to be hung on a cross and killed and take on sin and death for everybody. But he's not concerned with his outward circumstances because he has a a much clearer directive because he's connected with God the Father. So on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So we talked about in the beginning the celebration of the new covenant that we are now in. Do this whenever you're drinking in remembrance of me. Listen, another reason I tell you that the uh, the grape juice isn't some supernatural magic thing that's going to change you, you're not doing something that is going to actually change something, you're doing something, remembering something that God has already done, Christ has already done. We're doing this in remembrance of what Christ has done for you. Do you see the difference? You're not going to create anything by going through this as a ritual. What you're doing is you're bringing, you're aligning, we're all aligning our minds as a church together, as one in the Holy Spirit, looking at what Christ has done for us. So we're doing it in remembrance of what he's done, not trying to create some new thing. He's already created the covenant and set it for us. 
He's already restored the relationship with the Father, and we now can partake in it. So we do it in remembrance of him. For whenever you eat, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So now we get into, so then whoever eats and drinks the bread of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now we go back and we, now we know what, what an unworthy manner is. Why are people dying? Why are people hungry? Because <laughs> people are going in there and eating and not feeding the people that need to be fed. The unworthy manner is talking about the body of believers. He's saying, listen, you are not taking care of your brothers. You're coming in here and you're eating and you're making fools of them because they don't have any food. Not only that, you're taking their food and you're taking their wine. You're getting drunk on it. And you're eating it like supper instead of doing it unto the Lord and blessing those that are around you. <clears throat> he's not saying you're, you're, he's telling you to examine yourselves and look at your brother before you look at yourself and be selfish is what he's saying. Do you see it in its context, how it makes more sense that way? He's saying, look, you were doing this trying to do something for yourself when he's clearly said, you don't need to hunger and thirst anymore if you have me. You're not doing it so that you can eat more and you can drink more. He's saying, look to, look to the actual body of believers. Now, there's, there's two facets to this. We talk about the body of Christ and then the body of Christ, which is the body of the church, right? Now, the Bible talks about both of those things. We tend to try to divide those up. But they're really not that divided. Here's why. When we take the body, and we're going to do this in a minute, when we take the bread and we take it inside us now, we're not talking about two things that are mutually exclusive. We're talking about the same thing. We're talking about a representation of the body of Christ that we're taking inside us. At the same time, collectively as the body of Christ of the head, and we're the body of believers, collectively we're all taking in the body in one spirit and one truth. So it's not either or, it's both and. Does that make sense? So he goes on to talk about it. Whoever eats in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So everyone should examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink of the cup. What are, we, what are we looking for when we're examining? Is it our own self-righteousness? No. Who would that be all about? That'd be back about me. Then I'm making this all about me. This is all about Christ. <laughs> if you're examining yourself, you're examining yourself to see, the, to make sure that you're, you're doing what Christ does, and that's taking care of those around you. What do we know that when Christ realized that he was, had all authority on heaven and earth, he washed his disciples' feet. He served. Listen, when Christ, everything that Christ discovered about himself led him to live an outward life, not an inward life, not a self-referential life. And he had every right to. <laughs> but he demonstrated to us what a kingdom looks like and what a kingdom looks like when he came to earth and showed us. So when we examine ourselves, we examine ourselves in the context of the body of Christ who we take in and the body of Christ who are the ones that are around us. So we should be representing the one that we're taking in to the ones that are around us. It's a pretty simple concept, honestly. It's, it's pretty basic in nature in that when we take in the very nature of Christ, we talked about icon, the image of Christ, the very character of God. When we take in the character of God, we should represent the character of God to those that are around us, especially those within the church. If we're coming in here just so that we can get full, now this is, on, this is also multi-level. If you're just eating so you can get full and drinking so you can get drunk, then that's different. That's, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Now, we can do this on the same, in the same way when we come in here and worship or we come in here and, and get fed the word. Is it all about us? Are we trying to gain something for ourselves? Or are we trying to receive and distribute like Paul does? We're going, okay, we, we take this in and we receive it for the purpose that we can share it with those that are around us. This is what the body does to build itself up. To build itself up. So don't be afraid to take communion. This is not about uh, your righteousness because you don't have any. It's all in Christ. The only righteousness you have is found in the Holy Spirit, which is in Christ in your heart. Amen. So when, when we come to communion, don't focus on your sins. 
Those have been taken care of. Focus on Christ who took them away from you. The celebration is about his body and his blood, not ours. Now we've been brought into that. Now we have his body and his blood because we're taking it in. All right. More on the body. Ephesians 4, 1. Ephesians 4, 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man. One of the reasons I wanted to have communion on the first Sunday of the new year for us to talk about the new year coming up is that when we, when we have communion, we have a common union. What is our common union? Christ, right? Our common union is Christ. Now, if you look at these as, as, as uh, tasks to do, then you're going to be a little intimidated, okay? Verse 2, be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, bearing with another in love. Sometimes that can be intimidating. What does it say before that? It says, you be worthy of the life that you were called to, that you, that you have received. These are things that you receive. Being humble, bearing with one another in love, being patient. Those are fruits of what? Spirit. That's not just your behavior. Behavior is a reaction to what the Holy Spirit is doing in through you. Don't try to be patient. Don't try to do these things. Receive patience from the Lord. Receive unconditional love from the Lord. Receive these things so that you can give them out to those that are around you. That's what builds the body up in one, in one accord altogether. If you're struggling to try to receive these things and you're not going to give them out, right? You don't walk around with an empty basket trying to give people stuff. Right? You have to receive these first so that you can give them out. So there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly region. He came down to earth. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach uh, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you skip down to 15, um, just for time's sake, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together, not by some, but by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is why we talk about the strong bearing the failings of the weak. This is why the person who struggles with um, maybe fear or anxiety or depression, you've got somebody else that doesn't struggle with that, but they have other issues they deal with can come together. Not to say that two people that struggle with the same thing can't grow and help each other, but there are times when you need a fresh perspective. Tracy and I talk all the time, and she'll tell you I think I'm a know-it-all half the time, and I just I try to explain everything to her. But because we're familiar with each other, sometimes we, I don't know if you all have experienced this, 
but I can give her some great revelation <laughs> about 3,000 times and then, you know, Brother Ben or Brother Buddy will get up here and say something and it's the same thing that I said, but it's them saying it and she'll come back to me and she's like, oh, did you hear that? That was amazing. And I'm like, really? I've said that like 30,000 times. But sometimes we need a fresh perspective, right? We need somebody else's perspective and, and someone else because we, we kind of grow familiar with each other. Listen, this is why community works. You were born from community. Listen, in the beginning was all three. The Trinity was from the beginning. You were, you were created from a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You were made to be around other people. I'm sorry, introverts, all my introvert friends out here. <laughs> Sometimes it can be intimidating, but you were made to be around other people. There, there is no Lone Ranger Christianity. It just doesn't work. Anytime I see someone begin to distance themselves, it concerns me. And the reason is because we need each other. It concerns me for them, but it concerns me for me because I need them too. You need me, I need you. This is a, this is a, a mutual thing. N- none of us in here are greater than the other. <laughs> We're all here to build each other up. And what happens when we build each other up is we put a, we put a self, we put a self, I can't talk, we put aside our need to build ourselves up and put ourselves on a, on a platform or a pedestal. You don't need to do that. You don't, you don't lose anything when you, when you build other people up. You're not losing anything, right? Now, what happens is, and this is one of my big struggles, is growing up I saw a lot of the worst in people. Most of you know my history. And so I have a tendency to, to sometimes lean towards the, and I made a post about it this week, more towards the cynical side of saying, of, of seeing a lot of the bad in people, right? And what that can do is that can begin to distance you from people and keep you, try to keep you in a safe place, guarded, build, building walls. But that's not a healthy place to be. Listen, when you begin to look past people's faults, the way somebody else I know did, which would be Christ, <laughs> when you begin to look past some people's faults, you begin to see life in them, you can begin to call out that life. You see that? It's, you're not ignoring the issues people have. Hear me. <laughs> no one is saying that sin is not bad. No one's saying that. No one's saying, go out and do bad stuff. You're okay, go do that. No one is saying that here, especially me. What I'm saying is, look to each person like Christ looks to each person the same way Christ looked to you and found something great in you when you didn't even see it in yourself. And I can say that confidently because I know how I was. He can look to you and say, I see something great in that person when you go, you don't know me. (laughs) You have no idea who you're dealing with. And he goes, yeah, you're actually really wrong. (laughs) I know everything about you whether you want to admit it or not. And what that does is it begins to draw from the inside out. Listen, this is really cool. It begins to draw the Christ in them out. It demonstrates to them who he is to them. And if they haven't received him yet, listen, you are a very attractive thing to them. I say that from experience as well. The Holy Spirit will draw people to you. How many of you have experienced that? Right? Even not even say anything. I've walked into places and I'm, I'm not that cool of a guy to draw some people to me and someone will come up to me and start talking to me and we'll begin to discuss things and they're drawn and it blows my mind because I leave and I go that was so weird we just spent like 45 minutes talking and somehow got to talking about the Lord and it was an amazing time and I may never see this person again but there's something attractive about the Holy Spirit in you it was what drew me to my friend who witnessed to me when I got saved there was something and I couldn't even put I couldn't even put my finger on I didn't even know what it was I didn't even like the guy I was annoyed by him most of the time. He's running around singing worship music in the warehouse. I was like, man, I wish he would shut up. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. And, uh, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't just that he was singing. It wasn't his personality. It was the Holy Spirit that was in him that was drawing me to him. Don't neglect that. 
Because if you neglect it, you'll start to try to take its place. All right. The body. All right, there's a, there's a supernatural thing that we can look at with the body of Christ. There's also a very natural thing that we can look at with the body of Christ here on earth. Um, I just heard, I was listening to a sermon from Bill Johnson, and he talked about, um, and I love this. He said, have any of you seen The Passion of the Christ? Anybody? It's been a while. It's pretty brutal, right? Now, there's, there's a couple scenes in there, and I don't, I'm trying not to get too graphic because there's some kids in here, but um, when they took the, the whip and it had the, the spikes on the end of it, and there was a lot of research done for that movie, too. And you know that the, the way the Romans crucified people was the worst way you could die, right? This was the absolute worst. Now, we look at the crucifixion as being horrible, of, of being on a cross and trying to hold yourself up. Many of you have heard that description of trying to breathe, holding, holding yourself up by your limbs, and it's extremely painful. It's just horrible. It's the worst way. Now, before that even happened, um, that he was beaten, Right? Now, there's a crown of thorns, and there were all these other things, but the one specific thing that Bill Johnson mentioned that I thought was interesting, and he did the research for me on this, is that what they would do is, and I want to say it's 39, you can check it, but it was like 39 times that they would beat them with this thing, and their thought was 40 would kill somebody. So 39 was right at the brink, and it was at the point when you would begin to see what was on the inside of a person because it was taking flesh each time they would hit him. Now, what that says to me is, and even going all the way back to Isaiah when it says he was bruised for our transgressions and, and our iniquities and by his stripes we're healed. Now I looked up that word healed and even looking at the, the graphic uh, physical image of Christ being beaten in that way and his flesh being torn for us to, to almost death. Uh, I think the reason why it was almost death and, is, and this is part of, part of the, what we experience now is he wasn't, they didn't want to kill him in that way. Now, he hung on the cross and bled for us for our sins and for our eternal salvation. But I think the, the beaten part on the flesh side is for our, what we deal with now. This is today. It says, by his stripes we were healed. I went back and looked up the word healed in the Hebrew and Greek, and it, it's not sozo like we've looked, saved, healed, delivered, which is salvation, which is everything, which includes physical healing. But this is just physical healing. It says, by his stripes we were healed. We were physically healed. It refers four times it was mentioned in the Bible, and it referred to like leprosy and, and wounds. And so what it's saying is, that's, I've always heard that said, but I never really knew why. Have you all heard that said when, when we pray for people to be healed? By your stripes have made us healed. Well, that's legitimate. That's exactly what it's saying. It's saying, listen, it's not, it is for eternity. You've been, you've been made new, and you, you were completely healed in Christ spiritually. But physically right now, he's saying, listen, by his stripes you have been made healed. He was bruised for your transgressions and your iniquities. And his stripes, the, the pains that he felt are to take away your physical ailments now. And that's a very real thing. We all deal with physical issues, whether we want to admit it or not. We know the greater good is that we have salvation and that we go to be with him when we die, but we get to experience that right now. And the cool thing is, he didn't just go to the cross, but he, he took that for us even in the flesh so that he could identify with us on that level. <clears throat> All right, I've got a few more things to say, but in the meantime, I would like for the elders, I talked to a few elders, to go ahead and go grab the pitchers of, of grape juice, and they're going to start pouring for you guys. Please be patient. These are not waiters. <laughs> they're going to do the best they can with what they have. Yeah, if you don't mind. And uh, Melvin, if you don't mind, you grab the... Uh, the bread, and Melvin will walk around. You can just grab one piece and, uh, and just hang on to it for a minute.
Um, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about it, and then we're going to take communion together. Yeah, you can go ahead and pass it out. And uh, don't eat it yet. We're going to all do it together, and there's a reason. Yeah, Melissa reminded me, and I've heard this before, and she said you may want to fact check it so y'all can Google it later, but she was saying that the diseases are factored in to 39 different diseases, and then of those are all the other ones that come from it. So I thought that's pretty interesting too, and I haven't researched it so y'all can check that out. But, um, but I think it's amazing that, that Christ didn't just take care of our, our eternal issues, but he takes care of our temporary ones too. I think it's really neat because I, I, I know many people that suffer that don't need to be suffering. And I know there are times when I can get off focus and I can begin to suffer physically and I'll get back aligned with Christ and I'll begin to feel better. And we've talked about this in here. You can, you can focus on something. This is why they say you know, stress can cause a heart attack. I mean, it can, there's something in you that, that you can focus in that actually can manifest itself physically. The same way spiritually, what we take in will manifest itself physically. Now, when we, when we take communion here in a moment, what we're doing is we're, we're taking in something physically that's something also that's happening spiritually. So when we do it in remembrance, what we're doing is we're remembering what Christ did for us. And when we remember what Christ did for us, it, it, he, he took our transgressions, our sins, he took those away from us, but he didn't just take those away from us, he took our physical ailments away from us now. So any stress, anxiety, physical ailments that you deal with, part of that is seeing that Christ took care of those too. He's not, he's not left us alone <laughs> to deal with them. Like, good luck, guys. He actually came down so that we could, he could experience the things that we experienced. He experienced betrayal. There are times when he, he, was, he was frustrated. He was angry, right? He turned tables over like we would get frustrated and angry. He, yeah, go ahead and start pouring. He, he cried when he lost a loved one. He experienced the emotions that we experience. And this is, this is why our Christ is so much different than a lot of the other religions in the world. Other religions in the world want you to work yourself up to a certain position Ours, our God came down to live with us and did it for us. And it's an amazing thing. That's good. <laughs> About an inch, inch and a half should be good. That's, I'm just joking. Whatever. Just enough to wash down a piece of bread. It doesn't have to be full. <laughs> Since you mentioned it. Listen, there's a, you're joking, but there is, there, I've done some research. Some people believe that. Listen, I promise you that the Bible says that you are blessed in every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Uh, this grape juice is just a remembrance of that. This grape juice does not, <laughs> does not give you any special powers. <laughs> I have received no special powers, no nutrients, no strength. Where's my strength? But here's the thing. We're, we're going to, don't, don't eat or drink yet. Don't eat or drink yet. We're going to do this together. Um, and I want to talk about that before we do it. And though it's tempting, we should have got smaller cups. That looks pitiful. <laughs> you can pour more. I mean, we have plenty, so you can pour a little more than that. That's fine. Yes, yes, please. Yeah. I'll get me a piece of bread from here. And there, while we're continuing to do this, I'll continue to talk because it's kind of my thing. But uh, 
What, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this this way instead of doing just the, the wafers in the tiny cups, one of the reasons is I, I, sometimes I choke trying to pray because <laughs> there's not quite enough. I, yeah, there's, it's, it's, sometimes it's so dry that I, I can't talk and it gets stuck in my throat. And then even, even after I drink the tiny bit of grape juice, I'm still kind of choking. So I'm, I want to help you guys not choke as I don't choke. But also, I wanted this to be a little more personal, especially with the tables. Um, many of you guys have big families, and that's cool, but some of us don't. And I, I wanted to try to gather as, as many people together at, at tables to, to kind of, as we do outward expressions of something internal, is that we are all part of a family here as a church and a family together with all the other believers as well. And so we do this together, and I wanted to kind of create that atmosphere a little bit with the tables. So I like it. Are we good? We got enough for everybody? There's more cups in the splash zone and more grape juice if we need it. Do what? So do we need more cups? Are we good? We good, guys? Raise your hand if you don't have something. Rocky? Let me be more specific. If you don't have bread or grape juice. (laughs) I need coffee. No. Everybody good? Anybody missing anything? You guys got some up there? The sound booth? Okay. All right. All right, elders, you guys get yours too. Make sure you guys get some. Elders. <laughs> Cracker tablets. <laughs> I'm not against the cracker tablets. I just I I like this better and I don't choke on it. It just seems a little bit more more personal too. All right, so, <clears throat> buddy, you good? Get your <laughs> Hurry up, take your time. Hurry up, take your time. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Um, what we're going to do after this, we still have like 30 minutes, which is perfect. This worked out perfect. Yes, it's worked out perfect. What we're going to do after we take communion, we're going to, we're going to kind of hang out and do our, our fellowship thing after we take communion, and then we're going to kind of discuss some, some ideas that I have for this coming year, and I want you guys to kind of join in the conversation, so don't be afraid to talk. Um, but before we do that, we're going to, I just want to kind of give you guys a heads up, but we're going to, we're going to take communion. So what I want to do is this is, when, when it talks about, uh, in Ephesians 4.1, when it talks about uh, receiving from the Lord, and as we're, we're completely humble and patient with each other, bearing each other in love, um, we have unity in the spirit and there's, there's a bond of peace. In verse 4 it says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Uh, you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and one Father of all. So when we, when we come together in communion, we're, we're celebrating a common union, a common union with the Father that by our own rights we shouldn't be in communion with but because Jesus came and, and died for us and gave us his blood, um, that we can actually have communion with him. And in doing so, <laughs> in doing so, we can have communion with one another. Listen, this is really important because in a church, um, even our size, it's important that we get along with one another, because this is this is a demonstration of who Christ is in and through us. 
And so we've talked about this, we talked about it last week, building up to this week, and we're gonna continue talking about it for the next few weeks. We're gonna we're kind of cycle out. I'm gonna have a couple other guys speak as well. And we're gonna talk about what this looks like in the new covenant in the church and in our community. Um, and so in in taking in the body of Christ, this this is the bread that we're taking in. This is celebrating our union with God, and not only our union with God, but our union with one another, not meaning we agree on everything, but our common union in Christ. So we take the bread and we take that in, in our bodies. You can go ahead and do that now. <laughs> this takes longer than one first. Don't choke. All right. As we talked about in the beginning, Lord, thank you for your sense of humor. Listen, as we talked about in the beginning, it's no, it's no small thing that, uh, that Christ has spilled his blood for us. Um, listen, it's no small thing that Christ has spilled his blood for us, and, and us taking this in is the same thing we sing about Christ's blood running through our veins. Listen, you have been adopted into uh, a new family, and not just our church family, although it includes that. You've been adopted into royalty, and you are now heirs and co-heirs with Christ through the blood of Christ. So you may drink. Woohoo! <laughs> I didn't think that through. Bread takes a while to chew too. Listen, I know we we we're we're pretty lighthearted here, but there's there's a there's a great truth in coming together and and taking this because it's a as we continually talk about this is an inward transformation. This happens on the inside, and so the same way food and and drink gives nutrients to our body, Christ should be. L- uh, completely permeating our physical body all the time, giving us supernatural energy, giving us supernatural love and patience and kindness to others. So just as we took in bread and, and grape juice, we, we have Christ. We carry him with us all the time. Listen, it's not a get in your prayer closet in the morning or, or make sure that you go through these rituals. It's every moment of every day Christ lives in and through you. So everything we do in this place and outside those doors is a representation of who Christ is in and through us. All right, thank you. Let me, let me pray before we get started because I just want to kind of seal this up. Father, I just thank you for, <clears throat> for your communion, Father, that we can come to you, that we don't have to be afraid, that we can approach your throne boldly because of Christ. Lord, we're not intimidated. We're not afraid. Father, you, you set a place for us in the, in, in the midst of our enemies. We can sit and have a meal in the, in, right in the face of our enemies because we know that you have already defeated our enemies, which is sin, death, and hell. So, Lord, we thank you that your blood has made it possible for us to be in your family, for our sins to be forgiven. Father, and your body was bruised for our iniquities and, and for our physical ailments, Father, and you were crucified for us to give us new life, eternal life, which is the greatest miracle ever. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.